want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
All right. For episode 106, we have a special episode. Yes. Very special. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also National Hanging Out Day. Oh, cool. So happy Hanging Out Day. Happy Hanging Out Day. Yes. And we're hanging out with a very cool guest that we'll get into in a second. But first, what did we open the show with? We opened episode 106 with the band Crawl out of Syracuse, New York with the song The Rogaroo. All right. Our special guest today is the architect of what is referred to as the first U.S. black metal band, Vaughn. Uh, who we're talking about is Jason Ventura, also known as Vainan. Um, on top of all of the music that he's put out over the years, he is also an accomplished artist, an illustrator, writer. He has a lot to say, and we're going to talk to him. But first, we want to mention something that comes out today, April 19th, 2021. Vaughn's Rarity Compilation which includes various unfinished bonus instrumental singles, B-side demos, and remaster tracks from Vaughn. Jason was kind enough to give us a bunch of download codes. Yes. So as you listen, message us. We'll get them out to you. Um, yep. First, re- first hundred listeners. Yes. The recording lineup is awesome and beefy, and we're really excited about this. We are. We're very excited. So we're going to play two songs and then get into our talk with Jason. We're going to hear first off of the re-recorded Satanic Blood from 2012. We're going to hear the song Satanic Blood and the song Lamb.
Jason, we know you don't do many interviews. You haven't in many years. And I believe this is your first podcast. And we want to thank you very much for joining us. Um, can we start off with maybe an overview of the early days of Vaughn and how that all started? Yeah, sure. Um, it uh, started decades ago. So uh, not a lot of uh, people probably know. But in the 80s, when I was a teenager, I uh, met some guys when I moved to Hawaii and uh, just started up a band, you know, had nothing else to do. I was just a punk kid trying to do stuff. (laughs) And it just, it worked its way out. Finally, we, we decided to leave Paradise and try to cut our teeth in the, in the city back where I'm from, in San Francisco, and that didn't work out. And um, years later, with all kinds of uh, baggage behind, tried to do it again in, I don't know, um, 2009, 2010, and then um, we're here today, you know, we're, you know, three albums in and that's pretty much the the gist of Vaughn. As far as um, the details about it, there's so much to go on, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were in Hawaii. Did you purposely leave Hawaii for California because of Vaughn? leave Hawaii to California? Yeah, you went from Hawaii to California, right? Yeah, I, well, I I was initially from the Bay Area. Oh, okay. We, mo- we moved to Hawaii, like, in my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I went, like, closer to the sophomore year. And then I got to Oahu with my parents. I still live with my parents. And uh, it started from there, and then... Um, we just I just met some guys in high school and we started jamming and uh, we just created Vaughn and then I just can't really do too much in Hawaii because it's just it's isolated yeah so I I don't know how I convinced the guys to leave Hawaii it's pretty much paradise yeah I don't <laughs> but, know either uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somehow I did it, and um, we find our way in, you know, downtown San Francisco. It didn't work out. Things were pretty hectic for the most part. We tried our best. Um, there were some things that came about that I had to I had to take off to you know help my parents back out. My mother was sort of in a hospice situation. I'm sorry. So they needed help because my other, my other family was sort of off and already out of the house, and so I had to. I was the only one that had to come back and help. So yeah. By the time I came back, everybody had split. We basically just. I met with the other guy that I started it with, and we basically just decided, look, you know, we'll just go our separate ways figure out what's going on with our lives and then we just decided not to do it anymore for a while and then um just like years later we finally decided 
to give it a go again, but obviously um, that didn't work out. Yeah. I wanted to ask about kind of your involvement, well, you being from the, the Bay Area and then going to Hawaii and then going back to the Bay Area. You obviously were around a lot of, like that was during all of the kind of explosion of the Bay Area thrash scene, right? But it didn't really sound like Vaughn was uh, really drew a lot of influence from that. Was was yours more of like uh, from like the punk scene and the hardcore scene, but but adding like your own dark elements to it? Yeah, I I when I left the Bay Area to to Hawaii, I was heavy into the skate scene, mm-hmm. you know, street skating in the Bay Area and going to punk shows. It was just sort of related to skating, you know, everybody was doing punk shows and, you know, riding ramps and whatnot. And then um, that was just sort of, I got into that scene. And then, you know, I was into metal as well, mm-hmm. you know, extreme metal. You know, the usual suspects in the 80s right, right. that was going on. The Bay Area was just, everybody was all Metallica or Thrash or Death mm-hmm. or um, Down to Gore. Or, so I was just sort of, uh, I was sort of a bit by that bug, that punk bug. When I went to Hawaii, everybody was getting high and <laughs> singing folk songs and Hawaiian songs and whatnot. So I was just sort of out of place. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to get my own thing going but like a hybrid yeah so when i decided to like i wanted to you know sort of put together the best elements of punk and and metal and just sort of have a punk metal hybrid kind of thing i i I didn't really have no goals or at all for any of it to be honest Mm -hmm. we did like the darker elements like slayer was really a big thing some of the bands from germany you know like we do remember like the Sodom, yeah, the Creator, Bay Area bands like Death Angel and things like that. Um, but we just wanted to make something like that, a little bit of all these things, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we like we really like Venom and different kinds of uh, darker lyrical kind of bands. Mm-hmm. And we were teenagers, obviously, so we wanted to just dip our talent into that. So that's sort of what became of it. But when we went back to the Bay Area, we just started getting, you know, a little bit darker with things because of the environment, I guess, just living in San Francisco. And it just sort of, I know, became what it became. And nobody was interested at all. So, you know, everybody wanted us to play cover songs, you know, or yeah. Metallica or, or death, death metal or thrash metal. Nobody was interested in that sort of thing we were doing. It was just too much. Yeah, they probably didn't understand it, right? Yeah, I was. I was constantly trying to uh, talk, go to the clubs, ask the guys there, try to see if we can do something, and they wanted like cover material mm-hmm. as opening bands and whatnot to even cut our teeth or even get in the door so it was just rejection after rejection and it just sort of always like was like that we played a couple punk shows so that was the only way we got in to do anything um anything to do with bond but um 
when I had left two back to Hawaii to deal with my family, the guys had uh, did a couple shows without me. And then after that, they sort of, they couldn't do anything more. So they just sort of, I guess they split, didn't, you know, went separate ways. So there wasn't too much activity with the band through all those years. So how do, how do you think your, uh, your inner Venian compares to that of 1990 or 2010? Like comparing hmm. to today. Good question. Um, you know, I I, w- I kept writing, and um, I regret some things when I when you're we doing the Vaughn in the beginning, because I was you know just brash. I was a punk. I was just sort of out of my mind. <laughs> um, throwing all my you know illustrations in the dumpster in the city mm-hmm. but um as i kept going you know and really diving deep into researching the darker elements just all the things that that people don't really know about you know the things that are hidden in the shadows and things that are in the underground that those are the kinds of things that uh, fascinated me so i was just through the 90s, I kept writing and writing and developing stories, um, taking those stories, visualizing concepts, scores put to them, to the stories, writing lyrics to the concept. Um, it just kept going and growing, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do with it all. So some of them became demos. I started doing little demos here and there just to get an idea and record it or do what I needed to do to get it out of my head. And it just, through all the 90s to the 2000s, I just kept doing that. Um, and then finally, years and years later, everybody, they kept reminding me, they're like, what, you know, you got to finish all these things. I had a family at that point, a lot of encouragement from them, friends, telling me, you should really just finish what you started. Just get all this stuff out, get all these ideas, your boxes of demos and illustrations and take care of it and finish it. So fast forward all the way to sort of modern times. Um, I just, since 2010 till now, I've just been grinding with doing it DIY and just... um, just trying to get all this material that I had done throughout those decades and record it, put it out. Money's not my concern, you know, not making money, spending money. I'm just sort of trying to get it done, you know? Yeah. So there's really no relevancy to my projects. There's just, it's just like sort of a, I got to get it done. And then when I'm done, it'll all be out there for people to either love or hate it. It really doesn't matter to me. Do you still write today, even if it's not published? I try not to, because it'll just keep going and going. You know, (laughs) I I do have like three or four different stories that I'm trying to develop to publishing it and just growing that. But those are more in the comic book graphic novel script path you know like 
something and that's that that I don't know uh, how to explain it um just more of a a book kind of thing you know, um instead of more music thing yeah so that's cool the mu- the music part of it is just already pretty much done yeah it, it's been done for a while so you got all that out of your system huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i do have uh i do have a bunch of songs you know i things happen on technology computers whatnot and I destroyed lots of things with my hard drives and whatnot, so I'm not even sure if I'm going to just go back and recreate what I already recorded. And so everything's sort of up in the air for me to even finish all this. Yeah. And, but uh, right now I'm more into illustrations, graphic novels, just trying to get some of these stories that I've developed in the past 10 years actually and put them out actually done and put them out yeah i wanted to ask you've kind of mentioned your musical influences from septic death venom acdc i think i even read black sabbath slayer a bunch of others but um i was curious what who like who were your influences as an artist like an illustrator like graphically oh it's there's a lot, you know. I'm not gonna try to be, you know, highbrow, lowbrow. Try to convince people, you know, these are the kind of artists you should look at. I just sort of take the whole gamut of from the '70s, '80s, and so on, and just I just spread out. There are specific things from my childhood to my adulthood that really. If you look at my art, it just sort of it caters to that, you know. Like from Pased, mm-hmm. you know, who was in Septic Death, obviously. He drew all the the Zorlac skateboards, and I was really influenced with that detailed art, you know, from him. Mm. Um, then I dealt, I'm, I'm a big comic book collector, so my influence is huge, you know, from... Rosetta to you name it, uh, Derek Riggs who does all the like Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. Eddie stuff, and or down to uh, Jeff Darrow who does all the you know um, he's worked with like he did all the Matrix stuff um, for the Matrix movies, and he did like some books with Frank Miller, real detailed oriented artwork. Um, and some old school guys, you know, Windsor McKay, um, the old newspaper, the Little Nemo, those huge newspaper type books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, really detailed oriented. So as far as like modern artists, um, you know, most of them have taken influence from a lot of those older uh, people like Virgil Finlay that uh, did a lot of the stuff for Lovecraft mm, okay. in Weird Tales. If you go look at those guys and you look at my art, you, you'll obviously see like the influence it had on me. Were you, were you kind of like self-taught with art or did you go to school for it? Um, no, I, I don't have any no. 
training in art. I don't have any training in music. It's pretty I'm incredible. Sort of, it is, yeah. Say again? It's pretty incredible. Um, well, it's, it's sort of my life, you know. If I need something, I got to go and do it myself, it seems like. So I needed to get these albums done, so I took engineering classes to mix and, you know, record them and buy equipment and build a studio in my garage. Um, you know, just sort of DIY everything. Everything in my life seems to be DIY. So why not, why pay somebody to do an album cover when I can just grab a pencil and a paper and draw it? Um, not a lot of people can say that, though. Right. I know, but I just... <laughs> I, I just sort of went for it, you know, and just hope for the best. So, so that's a perfect segue into our next question. Um, okay. It's kind of obvious that what you create is an audio and visual experience. Have you always thought of your creations in both ways? Like when you write a song, do you picture what it might look like visually? It, it jumps back and forth. Okay. To, to be honest, um, I'm a big Turner classic music movie guy. You know, I like old films. Mm -hmm. I like old noir. I like I like the old storytelling. Um, I like sci-fi, horror, all these things. Um, more thrillers because it keeps you guessing. There's a lot of dread, fear, all these kind of. Um, slow burn build up scenarios mm -hmm. mm. so when you think about music in if you heard any of my music it's it's sort of long in the tooth kind of <laughs> so it's it's a sort of a build up yeah you know it's like that's why all my songs you skip through them because you have to be really high to listen to the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> No, it's I build things like a score would be like in a movie, and somewhere somebody's going to cut it off and go to the next scene. Mm -hmm. So I develop um, the songs like that. I develop them sort of like a story, in a way, a storyboard, and sort of place all the pieces together and try to attempt to tell a story, a concept, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and. The lyrics, I visualize the, the scene, and then I sort of write the lyrics to that scene, sort of uh, a dialogue in a scene to, the, to an actor. Um, my, whole, my whole point, you know, in the beginning, the first album, Satanic Blood, mm -hmm. that was all, all the lyrics were written by the other guy, um, Sean, and we both did the music, but I did most of the, you know, the landscape. Let's put it that way. Um, just single notes. It's all about frequency for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I always knew that it wasn't going to be some spectacular, you know, cutting edge song. I was not there to compete with other bands or the scene, or I was just trying to get a message out there. And the first part of the album was all about 
rage and just um, pushing the envelope. And as it grew into the dark gods bubble, I was telling a story of just the darker elements of society. So I'm sort of that vessel, the character that I, I sort of am, the person I am in the band mm-hmm. as Bainan. That's how we say it, Bainan. Oh, and basically Bainan is this vessel just sort of, you know, ranting and pushing out all these elements, these, these stories that tell the story of the dark parts of our world as human beings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. throughout history. So I live a normal life. I have, I have a family. I live life like everybody else. So I don't sit around with spikes and chains and things like that. Why I don't, not? Live, I don't live in a cave like <laughs> a lot of people think. You know? I do live in the desert, but I don't, you know, it's not all about that. So mm-hmm. I'm more of a storyteller. I, I do believe in what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I told um, told you guys, that I don't subscribe to anything. You know, I don't I don't put my eggs in anybody's basket, so to speak. I don't I don't I don't get get involved. Yeah, you have your own basket, right? Yeah, I have my I have my own thing going on. So, but I am fascinated by the darker underbelly of society and. The universe. I mean, and as I become older, I'm 50 years old now. <laughs> it, you you just learn a lot as you start turning over rocks and learning things and trying to figure out what's fake, what's yeah. fiction, what's nonfiction, what's conspiratorial, or what's just um, propaganda. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 So. Those are the kind of things that lend to the storytelling, to the development of, of a song or just a tale that I write for a comic book or, or a drawing that I make that might be something attached to a song or something attached to an album or something attached to just myself. Mm-hmm. I hope that not too big. It makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. How much has your like uh, culture heritage played into um, what you've written about? Um, to be honest, um, when you're talking about culture, you're talking about like my uh, my ethnicity. My, yeah. What are you talking about? Yes. Like I know. Well, like, I, was, I was born in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, my father was a Filipino. Mm-hmm. My mother, you know, she was a white woman that married a Filipino. And um, we basically were raised, Our family, my family was raised as Americans. Um, a lot of, if you know a lot about the Filipino migration, mm-hmm. they moved, a lot of them moved to the United States. And what happened... In that culture, uh, they wanted to raise their kids as Americans, so you sort of got disconnected a bit, because oh. all you knew was that you were an American kid, and you sort of, at least as far as my father, he sort of disconnected from all that. Mm. But as years later, 
as you know, I have friends that are Filipino. I have friends that are in all races, but in the Bay Area, you you just sort of respect everybody and everything mm-hmm. because it's just so diverse. But that's all I knew mm-hmm. growing up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But as I grew older into adulthood, I started to learn about more. By I wanted to know where I came from, mm-hmm. where my father came from, all these th- all these things. So eventually, later in life, I uh, I got curious and I started diving deeper into my Filipino heritage and race and culture and just all that good stuff that comes from there in Southeast Asia. So, and that lended to a lot of things in my life, you know, even to the storytelling in my comic books that I'm developing to mythologies and yeah. Not only mythologies in Asia, but mythologies around in deep, every region. And a lot of those things even bled into um, my writing for songs. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those things that you hear in mythology and black magic, and there's just so many different versions, but a lot of them are crossing paths and just passed down. And so you see a lot of similarities around the whole planet. So a lot of that stuff, as I was searching for, you know, my own culture and uh, my own life, I found these things. And a lot of it lended to the writing and the development of it. So it sort of helped to understand a lot of these things that... You know, some people, they have their beliefs and mythologies and religions and just all that stuff that people are taught and how it changes throughout history. So, I'm trying to look at it in a bigger picture. I'm trying to look at it in a whole and take everything into account and put it down on paper or in music or... Or uh, an image, so that's sort of where I go with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I just asked because I'm no expert, but I remember years ago reading like some Filipino folklore, and I remember it was really cool. I don't remember the story exactly, but I remember it was it was very interesting, and I th- I was wondering if. I mean, you answered the question, but my question was if you had worked any of that into anything that you wrote about over the years. Yeah, I I do have a couple books that I'm developing. I have a, a book called Aswang, and that deals with more of the vampires, um, the werewolves, all those um, elements in the Filipino culture. Mm-hmm. But then again, it... it uh, a lot of that is in different re- re- regions and different cultures and different uh, countries. So I'm trying to put all that together. But at the same time, the book I'm doing called Aswang, that, that is mainly a Filipino folklore mm. and things that are um, in that country. So I'm doing that. I'm doing some Lovecraft Type things 
I started doing some conventions, and you know, fans would come and buy all my Dark God stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly getting people telling me you should dive into the Lovecraft, Cthulhu mythos, and uh, your your work looks like something from that world, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started to take advice from all the fans and research that and try to get involved with people that do that kind of um, storytelling. I'm trying to find my way right now. I'm just sort of, you know, searching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess this kind of could tie into that statement. Um, if somebody met you right now mm-hmm. that didn't know you through your music or artwork, what would you t- say that you do? Like, who are you? Who am I? Yeah. Just in general? Yeah. Huh. Um, that's another good question. <laughs> I don't really approach anybody, and nobody really approaches me, so <laughs> that's hard to say. Um, but when they do, and when they have, um, and they do ask me, you know, um, I do in real life, is that what you're saying, what yeah. I do in real life? Yeah. Um, I, I went and got a bachelor's degree in IT, so... I did uh, networking, Mm. graphic design. I worked for software companies. Um, mm, You know, develop, uh, they call it GUI screens for hotels that, you know, check in and all that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Just real boring stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did did you ever work any of your graphics under the GUIs? Uh, Like hidden hidden messages? Yeah. um, Something you can see, <laughs> but you can't see. Right. I always do that. That's great. Um, but uh, no, I, I I got away from that because they, you know, software companies they they were having me work in design and um, graphics and doing marketing mm. and the uh, another part of the time I was doing networking down there, mm-hmm. and so they weren't you know, treating me right. So I just sort of got out of software companies because they're just sort of a hustle. Yeah. Um, I did do, I did a little stint for a few years um, working in the music business, trying to do graphic design and photos and videos um, for, um, you know, different artists, Mm. rap artists. All kinds of different artists, but it just wasn't for me because that whole world is, you know, it's good money, but at the same time, it's a grind. Yeah. Um, working in the rap world was just not my, not something I was really too interested in, so I just sort of got out of it. Mm-hmm. It had its moment, and now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but when people ask me, I, I, I'll do graphic design for people, mm-hmm. for clients, real boring stuff. I, I don't think I've... Photoshop and oh. Illustrator, you know, not too uh, exciting. I, I've never seen any of your artwork that is uh, boring or not exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's talking like clientele uh, yeah. kind of. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the typical 
business cards, brochures, mm. these kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's not something I brag about. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um, the IT thing, and mm-hmm. I think you rely on technology a lot for what you do. Mm-hmm. Did is I kind of have a love hate thing with technology. Do you do you feel that way, or do you have a different take on it? I I hate technology. You hate it. <laughs> you just hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Period. You okay. Know, I, I I don't I don't like my phone. Yeah. I don't like I don't like any of this stuff. Um, to be honest, mm. I'm at that point in my my life that I I'd rather just go to Alaska in the cabin. <laughs> but uh, it's just too much. It takes away takes away a lot from your life. Yeah. Um, I use it as a tool mm-hmm. um, all the way from when I came back from the MySpace era to the Facebook to the Instagram to the you know whatever's whatever's getting the the visuals or the music or and you know I'm limited to my own budgets mm-hmm. I'm limited to my own amount of money I can spend on getting this material that like again it's not really relevant to anything to do with the music scene it's just my one guy trying to put ideas out and see what sticks you know if it you know it's really just for me and then if people like it if one person likes it um I'm, I'm good mm-hmm if nobody likes it, then this doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I I just keep going till I finish with my idea, my thought. You know, like everybody tells people, just finish your thought and say what you have to say. Um, I think I was telling you earlier, I think I've said everything I could say about Vaughn and my past. Yeah. So <laughs> I was sort of burnt out on myself, you know, talking yeah. about all this. So I just stopped doing it. Um but I, I listen to you guys. I I really like how you guys um, operate. Well, thank I like, you. I like your uh, your banter back and forth. <laughs> thank you. It's refreshing, you know, to finally talk to the people that are not drilling you for you know, you know clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we don't do that. No. It's just you know it's not necessary. You know, let's just. <laughs> We're interested in your story, but we don't want to ask you questions. I mean, there's a there's a fine line between the people listening might not know your whole story, but we don't also want to ask you questions that you can go on any article online and just read about it in two seconds. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and people can say and do what they want. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm big a person that does not agree with censorship I can say that mm-hmm. with confidence um, but again you know if you're going to be a dick and uh, make up stuff about me yeah, that's another thing you know. but you know it's going to happen it's part of the world it's part of you know media journalism yeah, whatever you want to call journalism today it doesn't matter to me. They're going to say what they want, and that's cool with me. I, I 
I decided to open this can of worms, and I'm going to have to take the punches as they come. So <laughs> I go back to my family. I go back to my life as soon as I hit, you know, shut down on the computer. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they well, can do whatever they want. You know. That's a good. Uh, that's a good mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's worked for 50 years now. So. <laughs> do you? So I know you have some kind of not so good experiences since the uh reunion um mm. did do you have anything that stands out with uh, a faster touring or a show or anything that like stands out as a highlight to you yeah definitely um i i never planned to tour or do shows to be honest mm-hmm. i i worked with some musicians that were touring musicians um probably the best time I've ever had with, with a group of guys. Uh, I met a guy named Tony and Carter and John. Um, some of the guys um, here in Arizona, Zach, Chris, um, even a guy named Julian. Um, I worked with a bunch of musicians that were you know good guys, good musicians. Um, Charlie. All these guys, they had contributed to the songs or doing live shows or, um, and they just, they, they encouraged me. They inspired me to do some shows and even it turned out to be, okay, let's go do a tour because there was a lot of booking companies that would ask me, do you want to do a tour and promote your album? Things things in that direction. I was just sort of, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with that because I'm not a touring band. Mm-hmm. I'm new to all this. Um, so I was just putting albums out, and then all of a sudden, I jumped in, jumped into the whole doing a show, and then it became a tour. And the guys that I took to Europe with me, we did two weeks in Europe, and great booking company, um, great driver, great group of people, promoters in every city. Um, everything was a good experience for me. There were some incidents and things, not really something to talk about, but for the most part, it was great. I mean, the guys that recorded the last album, it was, it was more of a slower rock, rockish type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of a departure from the faster tunes that we did. But, Overall, it was just a good experience with these guys. Um, but as anything, everybody goes their separate ways at some point. Mm-hmm. We were planning to do a bigger tour for the final album, which I'm not sure if it'll ever be recorded or not. But um, we did have plans, but things happen. Do you have a Do you have a favorite song that you like to play live? Hmm. Not really. No. <laughs> you love all of them, right? <laughs> Not really. Um, uh, let's be honest. I mean, everything, you know, once you record it or you, you write it, record it, you sort of, it's time to move on, you know, let's go to something else. It's like a dump, You can only right? play a song so long or listen to a song so long before you're, 
You know, I don't want to listen to it for another 20 years. Yeah. But when we when we did play, it seemed to be a real energetic um, Jesus stain was mm-hmm. a big one because we started with that one. Um, people seem to like um, the older stuff because that's what they know. The newer stuff didn't wasn't really you know crowd pleasing because mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody knew it. Um, but yeah, uh, I like the older stuff because it was it was intense. They people like songs like Lamb, um, Jesus Sting. That's about it. <laughs> they like all we the Christian jams, songs, right? But you know, what's that? I said they like all the Christian songs, right? Yeah, they like the old stuff, um, <laughs> which is pretty much everybody likes that when they go to a concert. Yeah, well, let's just play the old stuff. Yeah, they don't want to hear any of the new stuff. <laughs> I I get that too. I knew that from the from the get go. I was like, let's just play the old stuff. But you know, at some point, you got to play a new song. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. We're going to take a short break and listen to a newer song. Um, the song actually was a single from 2013, but it is also on The Dark Gods' Birth of the Architects from 2017. And the song we're going to play is Ritual of the Black Mass.
we were going to ask you earlier, I think, but uh, we ha- so we have a list of questions. And yeah, we're kind of skipping all around. Sometimes we go out of order. <laughs> but um, we wanted to ask um, how you ended up in Arizona. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I, I told my wife I didn't want to die here <laughs> in the desert, but it's, I'm still here. <laughs> um, yeah, I never left. I, I came here. Right after we broke up Vaughn, um, mm-hmm. it was like sort of right in the same time I had joined the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know you joined the Air Force. Huh? I didn't know you joined the Air Force. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Oh. <laughs> I joined the Air Force um, and I uh, did my stint, you know, did my four years. I was based out here in the desert. And I uh, never left. Is that how you met your wife? Yeah, I met her here um, probably day two. Oh, wow. Day two, oh, huh? Day two. And, you know, I've been married ever since. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, three kids later, and, you know, they're all grown now except my high school girl, Isabella. She would kill me if I didn't. You know, mention her. Yeah, got to give a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> she told me to do some of my dad puns, but my wife said she'll kill me. <laughs> puns are welcome. Yeah, I live with a dad pun. Yeah, so. dad jokes are welcome. Yeah, I fell into that, so I'm one of those guys. <laughs> but I won't say it because I'll be sleeping on the couch for a month. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth that. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty I'm sorry to disappoint, but I I'm just a regular guy. There's n- no disappointment. Living in the desert. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's how I ended up here and I never left. I didn't want to go back to California because or Hawaii because it was just too expensive for me at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this point the family just her whole family lives here so we just sort of set up shop and made roots here do you have siblings yeah i have a brother and two sisters okay my brother is actually still in hawaii he's a he lives on the beach you know he's a bartender so you guys ready to go let me know we'll hook you up (laughs) (laughs) Um, but my sisters, they're they're around. <laughs> but um, like I said, my mother passed a long time ago, during the Vaughn years, in the early Vaughn years. And my father, he he got really sick. He came out here. I took care of him for a while. Um, he just passed away. So you know, life goes on. Yeah, doesn't mean it doesn't suck though. <laughs> no, I just uh, I live life. I don't live. I don't live death anymore. I lived death for decades. You know, I lived in that dark place. I think uh, you know being rooted. You know, with another person, mm-hmm. and then you know your seeds grow, and then you just become a rooted person in reality. Mm-hmm. And you sort of leave that dark place alone after a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For at least for me, 
So I'm I'm more positive than negative. So I don't know when it switched for me, but uh, somewhere it did. Um, I try I try hard not to go that route. Yeah. Because uh, there's been uh, my wife is uh, I don't know if she's superstitious or not, but you know things happen when I get angry and she doesn't like it. Mm. So like the the stove exploded. <laughs> that's not good different weird phenomenon happens when I get in that crazy mood so I try to be a calm namaste you know um, person that's good so what what do you think early on um, was there kind of less of a divide between you on stage and off stage compared to now were you kind of the same person on and off stage originally, or, or no? Um. Well, the early years of Vaughn was that teenage, young adult mm-hmm. period. Yeah. So I was, I was not in the right mind. Maniac. To be honest, <laughs> I was just a punk skater, yeah. metal head, mm-hmm. trying to find my way. Mm-hmm. Wanted to punch holes in walls, um, <laughs> do these kind of things. Yeah. Um, but later, you, I mean, if you're saying when it was such a huge gap for me, so when I did come back and started doing these shows, mm. I, I didn't I didn't do too many shows, but I, the shows I did, it was pretty much more focused. Yeah. There were shows that uh, were very questionable. <laughs> to say the least mm-hmm. the other some of the musicians I won't you know go too much into detail just it just wasn't the right night for them yeah so it just came off really bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just you know when you're stuck up on stage and notes are flying and things are going off and nobody's in key and things are just not good you just you really sort of stuck you're a prisoner of yeah whatever you surround yourself with so yeah when you're when you're not with a a group of guys like a squad that you've been there and you guys are you've been rehearsing day and night for years and you just gotta you know you got a band that you throw together it's it's not really a good thing to do shows with you know because you just don't have that that thing that you need to do to sync to do shows properly all right so it was just sort of really not my thing to do these shows but they were done um but the disconnect for me is i was a different person you know i've been a different person for many years so i didn't really connect with younger guys that have been touring Mm -hmm. so to speak Mm mm-hmm I was more of a focus dealing with the promoters, getting the money, getting paying my guys. I I financed everything, mm. making sure everybody you know didn't go to jail. Yeah. You know, I was sort of the road manager, the you know label guy, the all the above. Yeah. So I was more of making sure everything was working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my disconnect. But when I went on stage. I don't know what happened. Something happened, you know, when you start doing these songs and you start can't breathe because it's so hot in the the room, mm-hmm. and just being with those guys and getting in 
getting the headspace of playing this kind of music. I don't know. It does something. The frequency, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, just the mindset of what you're doing. Yeah. But as soon as we're done and we walk off and go back and you know collecting that the money for the show or paying your driver, making sure okay, let's get the gas for the next city or it just you, you get in a whole different world while your guys are you know looking for the beer yeah yeah so that that was my that was my world on tour so mm. that's what i dealt with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not exciting stuff I know. <laughs> <laughs> um who who were your influences for the bass early on uh, Cliff Burton. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. That was it. <laughs> nice. I just thought the guy didn't give a shit, and he looked like a guy that didn't really know how to play, mm-hmm. but could play. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't know too much of the history of Cliff Burton until later. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I was I saw him live one day. I think Monsters of a day on the green in Oakland or something. Mm-hmm. Ride the lightning. I think it was. Two. I don't know what else was there. Scorpions, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, there was a weird mix of bands at that, right? Yeah, it was like White Snake. <laughs> um, <laughs> just different bands, yeah. but um, it was in the 80s. It was called, like, it was, they were called Monsters of Rock, I think. No. It was called Day on the Green. Anyways, I saw Cliff Burton, and from that day on, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play bass. Mm. Or I want to play bass. Mm-hmm. The other guys were cool, but I was I was particularly interested in Cliff Burton's yeah. whole persona. I, that was my thing. And then, obviously, you know, years later, I, 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 I would like different kinds of musicians that I either met or respected. I, I, I like, I really like Lemmy, you know, mm-hmm. because of his grit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like, you know, the guy from Venom and different people. But it was, it was mainly Cliff Burton. So when you create either music now or artwork now, what inspires you? Does it come from everywhere? Does it come from in you? Does it is it channeled from somewhere? Oh, yeah. I really don't have a clever answer for that one. <laughs> um, let me let me let me just look at something real quick. I I'm, I'm doing a um, I'm doing a piece right now for a guy in Australia and. It's basically uh, a piece that deals with they call it malignos, mm. like spirits or whatnot. And I just basically take a concept. Every everything I'm pretty much doing or drawing or, or writing is from concepts in the beginning, obviously, and then I just sort of go on and tangent. Um, I have different influences. Mm. I have different processes when it comes to different projects yeah let's say this one uh, I could see 
he does uh, custom toys, mm. like articulated toys and mm -hmm. vinyl toys. So I'm trying to draw in that in that mindset. And so if it goes something like that, or I did some stuff with a friend named Stan. He does dark art, and right now he's he's collaborating with all kinds of artists. Mm -hmm. And he would send me his work really a unique style of work and then i basically take that and i just expand my style with his and it's sort of a collaborative thing um but when it comes to my own art within deals with my album art or comic book or just in general just print art for prints mm -hmm. random prints for whatever idea i have i want to make a print for a fan I start off with that, you know, I start off with the idea, like a fan will tell me, you should do this with Lovecraft, or you should, I have a lot of suggestions, you know, and a lot of, I read a lot of comic books, I read a lot of different things, and I have a lot of ideas, so I'm doing sketches all the time, and some never work for me, some become an actual drawing, so... Yeah, that's not a very clever answer, but... Oh, it's a good answer. Yeah, we're not looking for clever. We're looking for honest. <laughs> yeah, that's the honest that I can be. Uh, it's, it's just whatever comes to my mind, you know, I just... I'll grab a piece of... I have tons of paper stacked here, so I'm just... I'll take a piece of paper and just start sketching it. And next thing you know, it becomes a, a ridiculous piece. and I spend way too much time on it. And I'm I, I'm very cursed when it comes to drawing. I, I can't even ink anything because I'm spending too much time detailing pencils. So I've just gotten the habit of doing that, and uh, so it's it's something that I I can't get away from now because I'm just it's just I can't leave a drawing open mm -hmm. without detailing it. It's just sort of the Thing that has become something I do with my drawings now. Hmm. That's why it's hard to put out a book because I'm spending two weeks on a panel. Yeah, I think Ken yeah. can relate to that. <laughs> That's why he can't put out music. All right. <laughs> That's right. You do music, huh? I try, but I fail miserably. Yeah. I, I've had that problem many times. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. it seems well, like to be honest with you, I've had a lot more years to let things marinate and put out. You know? mm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these songs have been marinated for a lot longer than some of these kids listening yeah. have been alive. Yeah. Which they, is sort of weird to say, but... <laughs> 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 It's like marinating a steak, you know, the longer you marinate it, the more juicy it'll be. So yeah. when the songs come out, they sound, it might sound like it's off a reel or it's a journey track that was bounced off some compressed thing, mm -hmm. but it's just, that's the way I like it to sound. I mean, I don't really like the, well, I'm going to put in a record. Mm -hmm. And it's just the needle starts bouncing because it's so poppy, or yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But, I do. Um, like if you put an old '70s album or an old rock album, and mm -hmm. it's just sort of smooth. Yeah, it's all 
off a reel. A mm, reel yeah. kind of, I'm in that world still. I'm sort of stuck in the past. <laughs> and um, I just like the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More than sounds. So I, if it feels better to me, then it'll sound better to me. Mm. Yeah, it, it, that makes sense. I think a lot of people could appreciate that. So, yeah. Um, speaking of the past and influences, have you ever had any collaboration, either artistically or musically, with um, Pasad? No. No. I wish. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of a, you know, someone I looked up to. Mm-hmm. I had put stickers all over my board of his artwork. You know, I seen his. I've had his skateboards. You know, I've had the Zorlax, and I just. Uh, I was always fascinated with his work, and that led me to his music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, I was just fascinated with the guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Almost obsessed. <laughs> I just thought he was, his art was probably the most, uh, probably, I guess the coolest art when I was doing skating, mm-hmm. skateboarding. Um, and I just sort of got stuck with that style i like that style yeah um and then when i started listening to his music um i was listening to other punk cassettes at the time when actually everybody had a cassette player yeah um i was just listening to all the punk bands i could and i would always go back to septic death because i i grabbed the vinyls first yeah so I sort of treasured them, you know, like, oh, I got the vinyl. Um, I'm, I'm a cool guy. Yeah. You know, I got a <laughs> vinyl, you know. Um, punk vinyl, too, so. Yeah. I remember but, uh, when when I first ahead. heard him was, uh, I don't know, like probably 87 maybe. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, it was pre-internet, so you couldn't just go on YouTube or whatever and listen to him. But the... Uh, like the vinyls were at least here in New York were impossible to find, mm. and I mean we're not in New York City. Maybe it was easy there, but we're in upstate New York, and uh, it was. I'm one friend of mine had had a vinyl of it, and I thought it was really cool. And but it was, I didn't know anyone else that had one, and I didn't have one, so it was like hard to find. Yeah, it was in cool. California in the Bay Area. You know, you can get vinyl. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, especially in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, you go up to the Hate Ashbury, you know. You go down different shops, you can get some good good records. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was heavy into that scene. Um, I was I was really influenced by all the old Bill Graham concert poster art, you know, the old Jefferson Airplane. Jimi Hendrix stuff, um, all the Fillmore. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's more of that 60s psychedelic concert posters. Yeah. Yeah, that was all over the Bay Area, so I was really into that type of uh, you know, artistic work. Mm-hmm. Very detailed, very out of this world. So you mix, you mix that with just the more of the comic book, pus head, um, 
heavy metal magazine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, a lot of these things infected me, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, and sort of became part of me. That's what I grew up on. Conan, Conan magazines. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you remember those? I do. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> She's a little young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were the guy. The, that was the. That was the. That was the young man's porno magazines. Yeah. Heavy metal and <laughs> right. <laughs> that was all I could buy. I couldn't get the other stuff. <laughs> It was good fun, though. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say that I really liked what you did with the Dark Gods CD with the um, with the twelve-inch booklet, like the vinyl-sized booklet. Thanks. Yeah. um, We tried to get a cool picture. Yeah. With that, but no picture we took would do it justice. So we were like, "Eh, "Fuck it." We were going to post it. Yeah. But it it didn't. It wasn't coming out right. Yeah. Oh, but um, I mean, what you have on your site, it looks really good. Yeah. So we should just link to that. But uh, I wanted to say like it. I miss the days like in the '80s of buying the vinyl and you bring it home and you put the record on and you and you look at the artwork and read mm-hmm. the lyrics and all that as you're listening to the music. And this is kind of reminiscent of that. And I I thought it was really cool how you did that. Yeah. Like it really works. Yeah, I, I I got out of control with the drawings. I I, <laughs> I did a illustration for every song. Um, I I initially intended to like record all the songs mm-hmm. and make a Dark Gods album and just split it in three. Mm-hmm. There were so many songs. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll make a like a six vinyl album or something yeah i was trying to figure out how that i'm going to do this and then uh, i just i didn't have the time to record everything yeah obviously you know, you know you have limited time with people so when i started recording i was like okay let's just split it up and then when we get them all recorded and we'll put the cds out but we'll just we'll just do a big booklet and we'll stick it in the vinyl later Right. You just stick a CD in the back, you know. And then <laughs> when you get the vinyl, you could just stick the booklet in the vinyl. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, ah, you know, screw the jewel case. You know, let's not even go there. Um, it's just a waste, and it's too small. Um, I'll do the niche cassette or vinyl at the end, you know, if people want that. But yeah, I I really was intended to just do a vinyl only, like multi vinyl. Of all the songs, uh-huh. <coughs> all the songs, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work out that way. So I just like, okay, I'll just do 500 of each of the CDs, cut it enough to put on a CD, and then move on. So I got two, I got three of them out like that, and then the last one I never finished. But I was eventually going to just do all vinyl at the end, and then anybody that bought those booklets, they can just slide them on in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That idea. was the intention. That was the goal, but <laughs> that was that was good forward thinking. <laughs> uh, wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> wishful thinking. But uh, that 
there's nothing exciting about that either. It was just like, okay, how are, how are we going to do this? And so I figured that, you know, I, I definitely will, I will challenge myself to finish the rest and, you know, put the vinyl box set out and everybody can stuff all their stuff in there. Um, but That'd be great. That was the idea. So I've been saving the coin to do the vinyl, so I'm itching to do them, but... Yeah. I want to finish the last of these songs, but yeah, as you can see, especially when all this stuff happened recently, all these guys are they're still backtracking to do their projects for their other bands. So, right, um, who knows when anybody will have time for me? So, and time is just ticking for me. So. Do you? This is kind of a big question, but I was curious what what do you think of like the concept or legalities of intellectual property? It definitely bootlegging. I mean, like, do you? I think it's wrong. It's. I mean, I. It's definitely wrong to to take other people's intellectual property and profit from it. But do you think if that's if, what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I'm a, like everybody I see. I mean, when I do conventions, comic book conventions, mm -hmm. my wife hates that I do the booth because I'm constantly giving shit away. Yeah, especially the kids. Like I'm, I grab all my pencils and like here, take this and draw, <laughs> start drawing. You know, or I'll give stuff away. And, like share this album with your friend. You know, because mm -hmm. because nobody can afford it. You know, so, um. I'm a big fan of sharing, mm -hmm. um, but not and stealing, just spreading right? it out for people that can't do it, you mm -hmm. know, can't afford it, or just you know, you got other stuff going on in life. You know, I think it's more because I'm a father now, but mm -hmm. it's like I'm constantly like giving stuff away. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like these incidents or these people that take something, it's not just me. It's so many bands that have told me through all the years, like man, I. I totally see where you're coming from now. I, this label did it to my band, or it's just I hear the horror stories constantly. You know? Yeah, because a lot. Of, I guess a lot of people know what I've not been through in the past. So you're go. You're always going to have those people, though. You're always going to have people that are going to take something that is completely not theirs, um, has nothing to do with them, mm -hmm. and distribute it, sell it, and whatever you want to call it. Um, however you want to paint it, mm -hmm. but you're taking somebody's ideas and you're cashing out on them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not something that should be done, but it's done. Yeah. It's just part of part of uh, human nature. And you're always going to have somebody that wants to take other people's work. Yeah. And even now that I'm in this, I guess, quote unquote, dark art or illustrator world. I hear the same thing with artists, you know, like you know, artists, I mean, it goes so technical now. People say, well, this guy draws or paints exactly like this guy. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they're basically ripping them off and like you're profiting off this style now. So, I mean, where does it stop? If you take somebody and you completely just rape and pillage their work or ideas, like, 
down to a you know just changing one letter in the name of the band or something right i mean it's going to be completely obvious but it's up to the fans to not pay for it yeah right yeah so it's out of our hands as as artists or creators i mean we just gotta roll with the punches and expect these kind of things um i guess it's just because i'm older now i really don't care yeah but my wife gets a little annoyed you know she's like I just bought something. I thought it was you put it out. I was like, I never put that out. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh shit! I thought that was yours. I was like, no, nah, some guy in Brazil. I don't know. <laughs> it was on eBay. I thought you put it on eBay. I was like, no, nah, I didn't do that. Um, I said, buy it if you like it. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. You know, the guy's probably starving, anyways. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about like for my own stuff anymore. I mean, you know, if I'm, when I'm long gone, I'm sure people are going to be bootlegging it still, you know. But uh, my artwork now, my prints, my just brand new stuff I'm doing is already being bootlegged. Oh wow! So my wife gets annoyed with yeah. that. You know, she's like, uh, I just sold a print the other day, and uh, I went on. It, uh, eBay to look for other stuff, and I saw that print, and I was like, "How wow. can we selling on eBay now?" And I was like, "I'm not selling on eBay." Wow. She's like, "I guess somebody's selling your prints." So I was like, "Well, that's news to me." That's really but shitty. No, I, how was that? That's really shitty. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? You know? Yeah. There's different laws and yeah. different, like, you know. You could spend all your time trying to hunt them down and contest it, right, with eBay and get them to take it down. But yeah, it's so yeah. much energy. Yeah, that's that's it bullshit. seems like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just gave up at some point, you know, just even thinking about it because you know, you just you get annoyed and you know you start thinking about it too much and mm -hmm. you t it takes away from all the other creative things that you could be doing. Yeah. While you're thinking about that or. Yeah. You know, the death threats, or I'm going to throw you in a garbage can and light you on fire. <laughs> wow. You know, it's like, uh, okay, man, is that all you got? Like, <laughs> come on. I love the spirit, but you got to do better next time. <laughs> Give me something bigger. <laughs> but as far as bootlegging, uh, you know, it just hurts the guys, hurts the other bands, it hurts the artists, it hurts yeah. whoever's creating something. Um, you have an idea for a podcast and it's like somebody's going to copy it at some point. Yeah. yeah. You know, because they're either inspired by it or they're you know, completely enamored with your platform. So it can, it could, it could take place in anything, but intellectual property, some people will follow the rules and some people won't, you know, but yeah. as far as my more concern is about censoring people and t telling people, oh, you shouldn't listen to this or you shouldn't listen to that. Or this person wrote something about this or telling somebody, okay, this guy, his band is categorized as this because other bands that like his style are like this. And so he should be like this right? Yeah. and whatnot. So I don't subscribe to any of that. Like I told you earlier, it's like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get involved with any of the politics or propaganda. I'm sort of in my own bubble. I'm doing my own thing. And yeah. if they all want to do and say and preach and 
whatever religion or whatever kind of racist or politically motivated viewpoints they want to have, more power to them, man. Mm -hmm. They do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. And if they like my stuff, and that's cool. Mm -hmm. But I'm not part of anything. Yeah. I'm just part of exactly what I do. Yep, yep. So... If these kids, they want to write these things about me because by association or whatnot, um, that's their choice, you know. I'm sure they're making money off of it or they're getting more followers because they wrote something in a headline or, or whatever they want to do. I mean, you know, I'm sure they're doing it for some reason yeah. to help themselves out or whatever. Yeah. There's always but, that, some agenda, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I just don't have the time to put yeah. too much stock into it. Yeah, that's good. You shouldn't. But waste I your do time hear about it. it from people. You know, they ask me, you know, <laughs> like, "What's this all about?" I said, "I really don't know. Let me check it out." <laughs> and then you keep getting asked year after year about it, and it's like, "Oh, come on, man! Really?" <laughs> I think I said it already. I think I said almost everything you can imagine. I said. <laughs> yeah but I get it I get it yeah. so through our conversation you've answered uh, several listener questions without me asking but one from Nick from Hessian Firm wants to know what your thoughts are on the Dark Funeral cover of Satanic Blood if you know that cover and what your thoughts are I think it's amazing yeah yeah I I like I like Dark Reno. Yeah, I've I've liked Dark Reno for a long time. I I follow those guys. You know, they follow me. I talk to them. I think they're a good band. I all those bands that have covered any of these songs that we've done that Sean did lyrics to. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're cool. I think a lot of them have have done justice to the songs and even if they haven't they maybe in, in some weird way it helped them develop right you know, i don't know right. I, I i don't know everybody's story but it's sort of fascinating you know when you when you just start something you have no intentions of it going anywhere mm -hmm. and then it becomes this thing many years later and you, you know you're told like your band has done for many other bands and you just sort of you know, it's sort of like a shock. Mm -hmm. You're sort of, okay. You know, for many years, I think I told you, it's like, I never wanted to touch this because it's like, okay, after I heard this and I've heard different stories for different reasons, but when I, when I came to find out, a lot of these bands, they were covering Vaughn songs and even taking names, a name for their band from uh -huh. songs. Uh -huh. I was like, really? I mean, wow. You know, I, I had no clue. And then when I, when friends that were, you know, metalheads and people that I knew from back in the day, they're like, you gotta, you gotta own this, man. You know, it's, it was more annoying for them to see that the guys in the band weren't doing anything about it. And they were just like, you gotta take care of this. You know, you gotta finish what you started. You gotta own this, you know. And, get involved man and do your thing and it took me many years to get the confidence to actually 
open the box and start dealing with this stuff. But, um, yeah, as far as the bands and with each particular band, I mean, like Dark Funeral, I mean, they did what they did and, you know, they became the band that they are outside of politics or whatever they're, you know, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with, but, um, that's sort of my take on all of them. Since talking to you and reading about Vaughn before I actually talk to you, um, I love the fact that you kind of say that we weren't started, we weren't black model. We didn't even know what that was, but you've inspired so many black metal bands. So and, many. And death metal, all kinds of bands. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I think that's really cool. Well, um, you know, from what I said, you know, for me, I'm not speaking for Sean, but for me, I was, I just wanted a punk metal, either it was death, rash, stream mm-hmm. hybrid of some sort. And, if it became black metal, the only black metal I knew was Venom because they had an album called Black Metal. Yeah. yeah. But that was it, yeah. you know. And But as far as what we did in the very beginning, it was just, it was pure selfish reasons. We just wanted to do a, like a aggressive punkish metal beat mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. We didn't know where it would land. It's like I said, bang a, bang a bucket and that's going to be the beat. And that was it. And there was no, there was no science behind it. It just happened, you know, and, um, I was used, you know, I know how you talked about doing a pick on the bass. Mm-hmm. I, I did the pick on the bass myself. So mm-hmm. I basically did the three notes and just tried to play like a guitar. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, tremolo type picking. Yeah. And, Sean would come in and we develop these songs into songs and then that's where it landed but black metal you know there's so many different types of black metal I guess now yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where Vaughn is you know on that spectrum so uh, not really sure from and tell me if I'm wrong but from like my perspective on like the tremolo picking is big in black model i don't know that it was like back then like with a like venom at the time that you mentioned i don't really maybe they did a little but not that much but i i kind of felt like maybe your your tremolo picking really came from more punk and hardcore yeah yeah for sure i mean I wanted to be a punk band. Yeah. You know, um, but it, I, I really was into metal at the same time. So, and it just, the, the bass playing, um, that's sort of where it was, you know. Um, when you're, when I was sitting there trying to emulate like a, a thrash band or a, death metal band i just grabbed the pick and started doing you know making these little songs that anybody can play and um i just figured that's punk you know that's that's all we need you know there's we don't have to be clever about it we don't have to do anything crazy 
let's just get enough songs to play a show. Yep. And that's sort of, in a nutshell, what we did. And to see where it went, it just, it's it's sort of crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be honest. So we know that your plan, hopefully, is to wrap up the last installment of the Dark Odds and maybe a box set, um, right, for, for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything in the immediate future as far as artwork or comic books or any art books or anything like that that are on the near horizon? Yeah, um, I'm working a few projects. I work with uh, a guy, a couple guys, Mike Shea and um, Ryan Mendoza. We're doing this uh, Kickstarter comic book. We're on like issue 11. Mm. Um, so it's more of a Lovecraftian type, um, but based in the stories based in, um, you know, uh, Miskatonic in that Lovecraft world. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a lighthearted, you know, high school kids meets like Lovecraft. Hmm. That's cool. So, what what's I started that called? doing, I just started doing covers for them, mm-hmm. and doing my style and that for them. And then I started doing some work with another guy. He does Lovecraft, and hopefully, that'll expand. Um, what else am I doing? I'm just trying to wrap up some of my own projects, like Aswang is the mm-hmm. Filipino folklore. Um, I have another one called What Nightmares May Come. That's a Lovecraftian um, book. And um, just a few other comic books that I'm still developing. But hopefully I'll have an art book put together. I'm working um, uh, a friend of mine from back in the in London in the 2010 mm-hmm. period, well, a guy named uh, Dale Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about doing an art book of a lot of my art. Uh, let's see what else. What's uh, Worm King? I wanted to ask you about that. Worm King. That's another comic book. I'm, I I have a bunch of pages already done, but that's more of a... Worm King is just sort of a slang for... Uh, it, it's really uh, a book about before the flood mm-hmm. um, in ancient times. Mm. My ideas of, you know, giants, uh, the continents still connected. Oh, interesting. Uh, just, you know, a different world than what people really know in history. Mm-hmm. And so the Worm King is basically these people, they call him the Worm King because he has worms that he generates out of his body. He's more of a. A giant, mm-hmm. or one of the many giants that are that are on the planet, and I just created my own historic fantasy kind of book that sort of lends into the dark god story I wrote. Um, but yeah, it's it it mainly deals with like that world, if you would think of that wasn't written before the flood. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that we really don't know too much about. That's a cool concept. So I have a bad habit of pronouncing names wrong. I wanted to ask you about your publishing. Is it Worm's Flesh? What is it? Worm Flesh. All right. Yeah, Worm Flesh. Pretend you have an old typewriter that okay. right. you can only get the V's out. Oh, I get it now. All right. Yeah. And pretend you have like sort of a, a lisp with a, an accent. Okay. <laughs> Instead of... Your your S's come out as Z's, you know. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Something like that. No, honestly, I just wanted to have something that nobody else had, so I just kept adding letters. Well, hey, that's original. That's for sure. I knew I knew it would annoy people, you know. So I did it on purpose. That's great. I was like, if somebody takes this, then they really, <laughs> really have zero imagination. <laughs> Like, it's so obvious if they just add another S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, even my wife's like, this is this is idiotic. Why are you doing this, you know? I can't even put this on a check. Uh, this, is, this is incredibly crazy. And so... <laughs> how many S's I, again? <laughs> like, how many S's did you put in there? <laughs> No, I mean, I figured nobody's going to get a website with that many letters or nobody's going to have a name like that. So I wanted to do something that nobody had. And everybody, I know it annoys everybody, but um, when fans always see me or when we did shows, they would not say my name. Like it's, it said Vainen, like, like a vein and N, mm. Vainen. And so they would scream it at me, like, <laughs> you know? and so I was like, okay, you know, I guess I'll write it down like that. So I did it all in caps, <laughs> like you're screaming it because, you know, caps scream. <laughs> and um, it annoys the hell out of journalists and, and people. They're like, they, they do not want to do all caps. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's natural. I get it. Man, whatever. <laughs> I just do it, you know, to annoy everybody more than anything. <laughs> I think it's fun, you know. Same with Vaughn. It's just, you know, people scream, you know, scream out Vaughn. I was like, oh, let's just do it all caps. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the pretty simple answer for it all. But uh, any other spellings you guys have mixed up? Um, no, <laughs> I think that's that. Well, I already fucked up the, the you know, the venin, venin. See, I'm still no, fucking it up. Yeah, you're still fucking <laughs> it up. Just stop. I'm just going to stop. Most people don't know how to say it, but that's okay. I just tell them to listen to the song. I'm not going to edit my fuck ups out. I'm going to leave them in here because they were real. They're organic. They're, yeah. Well, you should. That's you know, that's what I love about you guys. <laughs> well, thank you. No, well, I mean, I, I I tried to listen as much as I could, you know, before I fall asleep and mid the uh, podcast. But we put people to sleep. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and I've pointed at you guys a few times already. So, <laughs> um, so I'm I am a listener. Well, thank you. And it's uh, it's cool what you guys are doing. Thank you. 
but uh, as far as uh, you were asking me about trivia and things like that before, and oh, I was yeah. like, uh, I never got those kind of questions before. <laughs> I always got the standard, you know, boring stuff. Well, we don't, we don't want to bore you. <laughs> there, there's a there's a fine line of like the people listening that that we got to assume know nothing about Vaughn or you, so we need to add a few basic questions in but we don't want to bore you with the same shit that you've been asked over and over and over again so we try to add some different ones in yeah there's so there's so many there's so many things you know that nobody knows about it's just it's um i had a guy a fan he sat with me he came to one of my comic conventions i did sorry yeah, and he sat with me, you know, I just hung it, hang out with him, and they just come over and they hang out at the booth, you know, for hours. But I would sit there and talk to them, and um, there was guy. I just tell them all these great Easter eggs throughout the years of things that I did, and you know, that concerned Vaughn and other things. <laughs> and they just look at me in horror, like I had no idea, you know. <laughs> And I was like, how could you? I never said it. So. <laughs> we love Easter eggs. Yeah, they're fun, right? So, uh, anyways, he, 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 he said, hey, one day you just got to write a book. I mean, you have a, you've had a crazy thing going on with you. And I said, you know, books are for like when you die, you know, or when things are going the other way. So maybe one day I'll tell all will happen, but... Um, yeah, there's a lot of juicy stuff that's happened that has nothing to do with Vaughn, but there's other things. So maybe one day I'll do something like that. But mm. for now, just trying to go day to day. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that book sounds interesting, but hopefully it's a long way off. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. Well,. We want to thank you very much for chatting with us, and we've kept you on for quite a while now. We appreciate that <laughs> very much. Has it been? Uh, almost two hours. Yeah, coming up. Oh, on. really? <laughs> it's been that long? <laughs> Interesting. Well, cut out what you want to cut out, keep in what you want to keep in. And I, I think we're going to keep I'm everything. Ready for, I'm ready for your next episode to <laughs> yeah. listen to. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to keep it all. Yeah. And we still, so we have like a, a geeky thing we do, like as we go through our little spreadsheet of questions, I highlight them like, oh, we've already covered that. <laughs> and like half of our questions are unanswered. So if you want to do a part two, yeah. whenever you're ready, we'd yeah. love to have you back on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm always here. That sounds great. And um, yeah, so thank you very much and we're big fans of what you do obviously absolutely and we love that we've gotten to know you on a personal level so we really appreciate you opening up to us yeah Yeah. oh yeah definitely you know it's been fun and uh i appreciate you guys reaching out to me this is uh this is a good first start for me i guess well great that's Um, great to hear yeah it's been fun so really Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we will we will uh, talk to you soon, hopefully, and you have a very good night. You too. Thanks okay. a lot, guys. Thanks, Thank you. Jason. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. I really enjoyed talking to Jason. As we said, we have a 
a bunch of questions that weren't asked. So part two is uh, is more than welcome. But in the meantime... In the meantime, we're going to close it out with a song. And don't forget to go check out that Rarities compilation that yes. is being released yes. today. That's right. And this song is track two off of the Rarities compilation. We're going to hear the song Burn. Until next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be an asshole. And no matter where you go, don't forget where you came from. Did you hear about the kidnapping at school? Nope. It's fine. He woke up. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Um, what? So fish-ticated. <laughs> what kind of music do chiropractors like? Mm, I don't know. Hip pop. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator the whole time. <laughs> If a child refuses to nap, are they guilty of resisting arrest? <laughs> That's so dumb. That's terrible. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? What? Supplies! <laughs> what kind of car does a sheep like to drive? <laughs> I don't know what. A Lamborghini. <laughs> What do you call someone with no body and no nose? Mm, what? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of jokes about retired people, but none of them work. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to the dentist today. My appointment is at Tooth Hurdy. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs>